Where do you go to watch a movie? Do you go to movie theaters? Do you go to a shelf of DVDs or Blu-ray discs? Do you go to an online streaming service? Do you go to a television hooked up to a TV cable box? Or would you rather read a book? Movies and books are stories, and often they feature a hero. Years ago, you could easily tell the difference between heroes and villains, or the bad guys and the good guys. Today, not so much. My favorite type of movie is when there is an unlikely hero, or an underrated team, or a down and counted out family who overcome obstacles and experience victory and success. In each of my favorite movies, there is a turning point. A point in the movie narrative when the down and out become hopeful. A change in the soundtrack is a good indicator. I recognize that I've experienced turning points in my life. The greatest turning point in my life came when I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. I didn't fully understand at the time that Christ changed my life because He loved me and that He wanted me to share His love with others for the rest of my life. Yes, God saved me from my sin and He has called me to help others know Him. I've got a purpose for life that can be done whether I am a pastor, a teacher, college professor, photographer, or just a friendly neighbor. The challenge I face is the fact that for me, it is easier to focus on self and seek my own entertainment than to invest in the lives of others, especially the spiritual lives of others. I'm not always ready to invest myself in the process of helping others find and follow Jesus. I'm probably not the only one who is tempted to keep faith in the Lord as a private matter. How often do we recognize the influence we have as believers in Christ? How often do we intentionally seek to influence others to consider accepting Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? If we are honest, we must admit that it is usually not on a list of priorities for the week. There are so many other things to focus on. Keeping the household going, studying at school, spending the hours at work, checking what's happening on Facebook, preparing for the next getaway weekend. There are so many things that we can focus on. We need to recognize that God has a greater purpose for our lives than success at home, at school, or even at work. God wants to impact the lives of others through us. When does that purpose kick in? When does God move in and give us that purpose? Is there a reading list to prepare us? Are there church attendance requirements? Do we need years of Christian experience before our lives and our purpose are changed? The truth is this. Your life is forever changed the moment the Spirit of God resides in you. An example of how God works in the life of a believer is found in the book of Judges. Let's take another look at the man Gideon. Let's not simply view him as an underdog who wins against huge odds. Let's see him as an example of how God wants to use us. Are you ready for God to change your life? Have you celebrated your turning point? In the text, 
Gideon has just survived the mob of neighbors that wanted to kill him for tearing down the shrine in his father's backyard. God had instructed him to do that after God had shared that Gideon would be the one who would lead his people into battle against the next invasion of the Midianites. What a huge turning point for Gideon. From threshing wheat in a wine press to national hero. But Gideon wasn't a victorious hero yet. For seven years, the Midianites and allies had looted, pillaged, and killed any who stood in their way. Their destruction tours into the land of Israel had brought hardship and starvation to the people, who are now forced to live in caves. And it's now the beginning of year 8. Judges 6, 33-35 Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Now, let's walk through the text verse by verse, beginning with verse 33. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. When spring comes, it is business as usual for the invading desert peoples. And like the previous seven years, the Midianites and allies' destruction tour of northern Israel begins. The desert tribes invade in force, and they settle in the valley of Jezreel. The valley of Jezreel is the gateway into northern Israel. They are making their plans to branch out and loot and create havoc among the people of Israel. They are on a seven-year roll, and they don't expect anything different this year. Unknown to them, this time, things are going to be different. There has been a turning point. What's different? Israel has cried out to the Lord, and God has commissioned His deliverer. Verse 34 is the key verse in this section. Judges 6.34, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Bezrites were called out to follow him. Gideon had been commissioned previously. He had already been called a mighty warrior by the Lord, but he was still not ready to assume leadership of the army of Israel. What's on his resume at this point? He has been found threshing wheat while hiding in fear. And now he's torn down the altar to Baal in his daddy's backyard. Those were his credentials. But verse 34 is the turning point for Gideon, and also the turning point for the nation of Israel. Notice what it says in verse 34, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. The word describes a man putting on his clothes as a warrior would suit up for battle. One commentary I read explained it as the Holy Spirit put on Gideon. This is the point where the Spirit of the Lord took control and empowered Gideon. The turning point came when God stepped in to the battle. Just imagine a change in the movie soundtrack right here. Verse 34 is proof that God had witnessed the downfall of the nation of Israel, and he was preparing his response to the enemies of his people. For the nation of Israel, it would have been great if God had acted seven years earlier. But God doesn't always act according to our wishes. Instead, 
God acts in accordance with His will and always with His power. What do we know about God's acting in our world? God's plans will always be accomplished. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's plans will always be accomplished. Second, God's power is always sufficient. Isaiah 40, 28 and 29. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. God's power is always sufficient. Here's some good news to think about. When God clothed Gideon, Gideon could have asked for nothing more. When God works in the life of a believer, God gives all that is needed. Here's further proof from His Word. When you are standing tall for God, despite opposition, know the promise of Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here's further proof from His Word. When you have been commissioned to serve the Lord, celebrate the truth of 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And more proof? When you are struggling to live for Christ, remember the resource found in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And so now, Gideon is clothed by the Lord. Through Gideon, the Lord was going to appear and deliver His people. It was the Holy Spirit taking possession of Gideon by indwelling in him and empowering him. And as we read this passage, we need to understand that the focus is not on the faith, strength, ability, or courage of Gideon. The focus is the power of God. We have all heard the saying, clothes make the man. Here it is, God who makes the clothes. And Gideon will be clothed with guidance, purpose, and empowerment. Gideon is empowered to accomplish great things, not because of special personal ability, but because of the Lord who took hold of his life and gave him power. Coming of the Lord into the life of Gideon was a huge turning point. This is the same power that was promised to the church in Acts. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Many know the Greek word for power is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. But its root meaning is not to destroy, but the ability to get the job done. This was the effect the Holy Spirit had on Gideon at this time. The Midianites were back, and now Gideon would begin to get the job done. The power of God explains, then, the next few verses. And Gideon sounded the trumpet, and the Bezrites were called out to follow him. The power of God in Gideon gave Gideon credibility. Recently, the Abizrites had rallied to kill Gideon for destroying their shrine to Baal. Now they are moved to respond to serve under his leadership. Gideon's influence would soon spread. 
So what has caused the change of heart in the minds of Gideon's neighbors? Gideon had confronted their false god and won. Now the only true God has empowered Gideon. His words now carry weight because of what God was doing in the heart of Gideon. And while Gideon was at work in Gideon, he was also at work in the hearts and minds of his fellow Israelites. Gideon would have been encouraged to see that while he was the first one to experience God's turning point, he was not the only one. Judges 6.35 And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. For those who lived beyond the sound of a trumpet blast, Gideon sent messengers to the other northern tribes. And here's the amazing thing. They came. Remember, Gideon was probably right in his original assessment. Let's go back to Judges 6.15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon is an example of how God can raise up the most unlikely people to accomplish great things. God's commission for a faithful follower is possible when the Spirit of the Lord brings the power. Gideon began with little, if any, influence, and now he has issued a call to battle, and thousands of soldiers have rallied around him. The believer is tempted to look at the mirror and say, Why would God use me today? But when the believer recognizes the Spirit of God that fills his or her heart, then the question should be, Lord, what great thing will you accomplish in my life today? Asking that question of the Lord each day can lead you to your personal turning point with God. Let's summarize the text. Despite the unfaithfulness of Israel and the initial reluctance of Gideon, God called and empowered Gideon to deliver his people. The key to Gideon's success was not his ability, but the power of God that filled Gideon through the Spirit of God. And that's the main point of this lesson. Your life is forever changed the moment the Spirit of God resides in you. The Spirit of God is the key to accomplishing anything of eternal value in our lives. Gideon's ability to rally the troops and later lead them into victory was directly due to the Spirit of the Lord. In the same way, our effectiveness in life and in ministry is directly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The more we understand about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the better prepared we are to live for Him in a society that's not much different from the society Gideon experienced. Already we can see the change the empowerment of the Holy Spirit can make in Gideon. The good news is that because of Christ, we can have even more of the Spirit working in us. Here are four things we learned about the Spirit in Gideon and in other Old Testament believers. Number one, the Holy Spirit did not empower every believer in the Old Testament. The Bible does not teach that all Old Testament believers were indwelt with the Spirit. In Judges, we see the indwelling Spirit coming upon certain individuals, Gideon, Othniel, Jephthah, and even Samson. And so in the Old Testament, we understand Holy Spirit did not empower every believer. A second thing we've learned from the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came into the lives of individuals for a specific purpose or calling. 
In the Old Testament, the Spirit empowered a person when he or she received God's call to a special task or position. The Spirit was active in anointing the king or calling a prophet or choosing the judge. In Judges, we read how God called the judges, Othniel, Deborah, Gideon, and others, to deliver the people from their oppressors. And so the Holy Spirit came into the lives of individuals in the Old Testament for a specific purpose. Then number three, the Holy Spirit empowerment was limited in time. The Holy Spirit did not always permanently indwell in His chosen people. In Judges 16, we read that the Spirit would depart from Samson, and in 1 Samuel 16, the Spirit would exit Saul. This might explain why King David, in his prayer of repentance, pleaded with God in Psalm 51:11, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And thus, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit empowerment was limited in time. And number four, the Holy Spirit's empowerment was often limited to the external. When the Spirit of the Lord took over Gideon, it was the external, not the internal man, that was affected. His transformation had more to do with influence and power than morality and spirituality. We will see in the next few chapters that Gideon did not become a godly person as a result of the Holy Spirit's empowering him. In fact, in chapter 8, he will lead the people into apostasy. We will also read that the Holy Spirit gave Samson great strength, but we will see that he lived the life of a moral and spiritual pygmy. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't always produce the fruit of the Spirit in the lives of the people he indwelt. But that was the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. But here's the turning point. Jesus lived, was crucified, and arose again to offer us a new covenant with God. Listen to John 7, 37-39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Bible teaches us that we enter that new covenant with God through faith in Christ. Because of that new covenant, the Spirit takes on a new work in those who believe. Here are four things we learned about the Spirit in New Testament believers and in us. Number one, the Holy Spirit now empowers every believer in Christ. The Holy Spirit is not a gift for a select few or for the spiritual elite. Every believer is now indwelt by the Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, 15, and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit empowers every believer in Christ, and we are adopted into His family. Second, the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of individuals to give us guidance and strength in every aspect of life and ministry. The Spirit has been given to enable us to serve the Savior but He is also present in us to grow our character, to encourage, provide comfort, give assurance, and peace, as well as ministry effectiveness. 
Here's how the Bible describes the Holy Spirit making us capable of service. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit comes into the lives of individuals to give us guidance and strength in every area or aspect of life and ministry. A third thing we learn, the Holy Spirit's empowerment is with us forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't enter our lives as believers for a limited engagement. We are not one-hit wonders when it comes to receiving the empowerment of the Spirit. John 14, 16-17, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Through the Holy Spirit, we are sealed and given God's pledge of eternal life. Listen to the words of Paul Ephesians 1.13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's empowerment is with us forever. And the fourth thing we can learn from New Testament believers, the Holy Spirit's empowerment is evidenced in our spiritual lives. Galatians 5.22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Life's greatest needs are not physical needs, but rather inner resources and godly character. The need for a godly character is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in Christ. Christians are spiritual people, and when trials come, we have a resource the world has never experienced. Listen to Romans 5, 3-5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thus, Christians are spiritual people. When trials come, we have a resource the world will never know. Now, as we read the book of Judges, we can be amazed at the difference the call and empowerment of God and His Spirit has on the believer. Just look at the change already in Gideon. We also see how that believer was used of God to greatly impact the lives of others. In the darkest of times, God used faithful men and women to bring hope and victory. In every life recorded in the Bible, the turning point was made possible by God. And here's some good news. The Holy Spirit worked in ancient history, but the scope of what the Holy Spirit could do with believers in the Old Testament is increased because of Jesus. That is the reason we should study this passage. This is why understanding the work of the Holy Spirit and His empowerment means something to us. But this story of the Spirit's empowerment is not simply about Gideon. The story of the Spirit's empowerment is now about you. The Holy Spirit worked in a mighty way in the life of Gideon, but He desires to work in you today. 
The truth that you need to know from the Bible is this. The same Holy Spirit who clothed Gideon has indwelt you and made you a child of God. You are His temple, His dwelling place. His ministry in your life is even richer and more powerful than His ministry in Gideon's life. Yes, receiving the Holy Spirit into your life and allowing Him to guide you will be the turning point to your life. Gideon's movie script went something like this. He was a fearful farmer in a country under the oppression of enemies. He encountered a living God and was transformed into a leader that would change the history of his country. That's a fantastic story. The change in Gideon from fearful, hidden, desperate, and defeated to bold, courageous, and obedient was huge. In the span of a few days, he went from hiding from the Midianites to blowing the trumpet to call his nation to face the Midianites. But that change could not and would not have occurred without God. It was simply too big a step for him to make. He needed the power of God to step away from fear and move to boldly, loudly, and unashamedly standing for God. Now, what would it take to move you from fearful and in hiding to boldly and courageously influencing people for Christ? Do you believe it's impossible to make the change? Is boldly proclaiming your faith simply out of your reach? Is confidently sharing your testimony a step too far for you? Gideon's example teaches that the step of obedience we need to make, no matter how big, is possible because of God's empowerment in our lives. He supplies all we need to walk in obedience to Him. Don't evaluate the step of obedience God has called you to make by your own strength. Instead, trust the Lord to provide all that you need to take that step of faith. What will be your story? Are you a student God has called to be a godly influence on your friends at school? Are you a parent or grandparent called to demonstrate godly living to your children? Are you single and God's called you to fully invest in His work? Are you in a marriage that is to demonstrate to the world the relationship of Christ and His church? Are you a neighbor, friend, or co-worker who previously hid your faith and beliefs but are now ready to share the good news of Jesus with people you know? Are you a believer in Christ who recognizes the turning point in your life and is willing to walk in obedience to God's command? Here's how we can apply this teaching. In the last podcast, we recognized how private and public sin can hinder and even eliminate our service to God. Now we look around and see the spiritual challenges that surround us. We live in a world where taking a bold stand for Christ will come with a price. We live in a world where just speaking the truth can get you canceled or worse. We live in a world where the temptation to keep our heads down voices low, and focus on just getting through life is real. Sadly, most Christians will remain silent and slowly blend in with the world. But that is not what the Lord has called you to do. You have a purpose greater than simply watching a godless culture self-destruct. Maybe it's time for you to come out of hiding and boldly announce your allegiance to Christ as Gideon boldly blew the trumpet to call his nation to battle. Your greatest challenge could be living for Christ in your marriage. Your challenge could be standing true to the truth of God's Word while your children and grandchildren slip away into what is false. 
Your challenge could be navigating your company's culture while remaining true to God. Your challenge could be standing for the Bible as you see many in the church begin to compromise. No matter what your challenge, we all have at least one. And it's now time we step forward in obedience. Today, as it was in the time of Gideon, there is a connection between the filling of the Spirit and obeying God's Word. You have the option to submit to God's direction, or you can choose to quench the Spirit and resist His work in your life. A believer doesn't have the choice to reject God's leadership. As a believer, you are called by God to live a life of holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness means to be set apart for God. It means that you are to be different, even if there is a price to be paid. Being set apart means you are to value your relationship with God, even over your relationship with family or friends. Being set apart means you are to stand firm in the truth of God's Word without compromise, even when it would be easier to just get along. Now, while you run the risk of being called unloving and uncaring, for standing up for the truth of God's Word, you can demonstrate real love by sharing the truth of God's Word in love. When you are living your life for Christ, you will make a loving difference in others. No matter how they respond or react, the greatest love that you can provide others is to live your life for Christ. Now, just as Gideon discovered, when you are living a life of personal obedience and holiness, God can use you to impact the lives of others. Are you ready to take the challenge of spirit-led living? Challenge for this lesson is simple. Live openly and publicly as a believer and invest in the spiritual life of someone this next week. Some of you are hesitant to take that big of a step. If so, then you are like the rest of us including Gideon. If you're hesitant, then start by asking God what step you are to take this week to apply this message. It may be a small step. It could be a giant leap. Whatever the size of your step, it will be empowered by a loving God who has chosen to reside in you. Here are ways you can take that step. As God used Gideon to call for his nation to stand with him against the Midianites, God can use you to influence others. And don't worry, God will probably not call you to loudly blow a trumpet. Here's how you can influence fellow believers. You can encourage a friend to remain faithful to God who is struggling in their faith. Here's how you can influence fellow believers. You can give thanks and recognition to a believer for impacting you and for remaining faithful to God. Here's another way to influence a fellow believer. Pray for a fellow believer to live holy and serve the Lord mightily. Then here's a fourth way to influence a fellow believer. Serve beside a fellow believer in the work of sharing the gospel. Those are four ways, four of many, that you can influence fellow believers. Here's how you can influence those who need Christ. One, build a relationship with someone who needs to know the Lord. That means... Actively seek out someone who is not a Christ follower already. Too often, believers, we congregate with each other and we fellowship with each other 
and we are lost or unknowing of anyone who is without Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in building a relationship with someone who needs to know the Lord. Generally, you will start with demonstrating care. Now, here's a second way you can influence those who need Christ. Share a testimony of how God works in your life when you are given an opportunity. Here's a third way you can influence those who need Christ. Invite your friend to attend church with you. Allow them to ask any questions, and by all means, don't expect to be able to answer every question they may ask. But you know where to turn to answer those questions? Of course, God's Word. Study God's Word together to find those answers. Now, here's a fourth way to influence one who needs to know Christ. Share the story of Jesus and ask them if they too would accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Wouldn't it be great if you could experience this next week even, the turning point in a friend's life when they invite Jesus into their lives? Now, accept God's call to ministry in your home. Accept God's call to ministry in your Christian fellowship. And accept God's call to ministry in your church and in your world. Our truth to take home is simply this. Your life is forever changed the moment the Spirit of God resides in you. And once the Spirit is in you, only God knows the impact you will have on the lives of those around you. Who will you influence this week, O mighty warrior? This message has been for the believer. But what if you're not a believer? This message is for you. The reason you're not into the Spirit-empowering discussion is because you have not accepted God's offer of salvation and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 8, 8 and 9, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Salvation is a free gift, but you must receive it. What is your reason for saying no to God? Why not come forward today and say yes to God? Based on what you know of God's Word, are you ready to accept God's gift of salvation and eternal life? If so, I would like to share with you a prayer. In this prayer, you can communicate to God your willingness to confess your sins and your acceptance and your request for God's forgiveness. Here's how it goes. Dear God, I know my sins have separated me from you. I am sorry for my sin. I want to turn away from my past sinful life and turn toward you. Please forgive me. I believe that your son, Jesus, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, and is now alive. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey. From this day forward, I choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer or a similar one, then welcome to God's family. I hope you will share the wonderful news with a Christian friend or family member. That wraps up another episode of the podcast. Discover the Bible with Dr. James Harms. Thank you so much for listening. Please pray for me and the Discover the Bible podcast. 
Ask God to continue to provide His guidance and produce the growth according to His will. Please pray for those who listen to the podcast. Ask God to speak and to encourage all who take time to study God's Word. Please recommend the podcast to others. Send a friend a link to the podcast and ask them to give it a listen and let you know what they think. That could be a great spiritual conversation starter for someone who needs to follow Christ. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact me through email at jamesharms at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining me in a verse-by-verse walk through God's Word.